Let me, uh, I usually don't take the time to share a few announcements, but let me uh, share with you some news uh, that is going on. Um, of course, you know about our Legacy Weekend that's coming up here in just a couple more weeks. And we're going to, the way we're doing it this year, and it's, it's kind of an experiment. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, we won't do it this way next year. Uh, but we're going to do our regularly Friday night, the 13th service and uh, at a regular time. And then our Sunday at 10 o'clock on the 15th. But right in the middle on the 14th, we're going to kind of reinstitute our Saturday nights. And we're going to do that with what we call a legacy night or a legacy offering. Now, if you don't know what that is, and if you're watching online and you're curious about it, um, our legacy is where we ask you one time a year. It's the only time of the whole year we even ask about an offering. And we ask you just to pray about what God would put on your heart to do to be a part of what we call legacy. Legacy is something that we leave behind. And we have three lanes of legacy. We're going to do some things in-house. We're going to do some things in our community. And this year, uh, we're doing some things nationally. This year, our project is Colorado City. We're going to invest in the Dream Center in Colorado City to help rescue those girls that have been trafficked. And, um, and we'll share more about that on that weekend. But on that Saturday night, we're going to kind of have like an open house where you can come at six o'clock or or any time in there but I can't promise you how long it will last you can come by just for 30 seconds and drop off your offering and 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 if you're okay with it I would love to join you in prayer and I, I know I'm borderline sounding a little gimmicky, but I want to put a gift in your hand that night that'll kind of memorialize that evening. Uh, and it'll make more sense after you hear the message that goes with the gift, all right? Uh, I, I don't believe in sending your dollar in so I can send you a mustard seed anointing, okay? I'm not trying to do that. And I know it kind of sounds like that, but uh, believe me, I, I, hope, I think it'll fit together, all right? And so we want you to do that. And if you can't make it out or you're still like I'm in the high risk, I don't want to gather together, there is a tab already at RadiusChurch.tv that says Legacy Offering. You can do it that way. You can bring it by. Uh, I talked to somebody tonight and said, well, we're going to come Sunday. Can we do that then? Absolutely, that whole weekend. But we kind of wanted to reserve Saturday the best we could for kind of a a night that we haven't had in a long time. We're just going to make it a night of worship. And uh, worship, we're going to give some prayer guides. You can spend some time praying. We'll kind of do the seating a little bit different so there's better distancing. Uh, we're also going to have self-serve communion at the cross for you and your family to participate in. It's just one of them things that as a pastor and as a church, I don't know if you feel this way, I miss those moments. Uh, it's one thing to be able to get up and you know preach, and but I miss those, come on, let's pray together, let's have communion. Union, let's worship God. Let's step out in faith with an, you know, those kind of moments that make us unique. And so that's what we're going to do. Matter of fact, I was just recently with who you know I call my pastor, Pastor Tommy Barnett. And uh, I'm stealing next weekend. He preached a message and he gave me the notes 25 years ago. He wrote a book about it called A Miracle in the House. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, I'm stealing that message and I'm going to preach it next week. But not only am I going to preach it, he's going to interact with me and preach with me online on the screen. Come on, everybody. Yeah. All right. And so here's what he had to say about Legacy Weekend. I want you to take a listen to my pastor, Tommy Barnett. Hello, my dear friends at Radiant Church, and a special greeting to you, 
Pastor Ken. Just a few weeks ago, I had the honor and the privilege of spending a day with your great pastor, Pastor Ken. We talked about the Great Commission, reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he informed me that he had a very important day coming up at his church, and that was the day that they would receive their legacy offering. Let me tell you how important the legacy offering is. It takes the tithe in the offering to just operate the church. But anything that we do above our tithe has to come in the form of an offering. And that's what the legacy offering does. It allows us to expand our border, to reach out around the world, to build campuses, and do the wonderful things that we need in our church to expand our borders. I understand he's going to be talking to you about the miracle that's even in your own church, in your own city. He's going to change your life that day. It's a sermon that you cannot afford to miss. It could be a turning point in the future of your church. I wish I could be there. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Woo, man, he fires me up. You know, I, every time I hear him, I either want to build something up or tear something down. You know, I just, I feel like I just get fired up. And I guess that's what we do when we hear from our pastor. I'm so glad. If you're watching online and you're still, like, missing some information, we've even gone as far as to... Uh, send out snail mail about Legacy Weekend. And so don't you dare uh, not participate because you weren't informed. If you're watching me right now, you can just go to uh, on our webpage right there, connection card. Fill that out so you can stay informed. These are crazy times. Sometimes things change weekly. <laughs> well, sometimes they change daily. But if you want to be informed, uh, please do that, and also uh, tune in to The Circle. I hope you guys are enjoying that, right? The news that we just kind of inform you on The Circle. It drops on all of our platforms every Monday morning, and so be in tune with that. All right. Well, tonight, I am thrilled to have one of my dear, dear friends and seriously, one of my favorite preachers in the whole wide world. Um, let me just give a little background. I never do this. Uh, Pastor Craig preaches an incredible church, South Point Church, on the border. It's literally uh, on the border of Memphis and Mississippi. In fact, I think your backyard's in Memphis and your front yard's in Mississippi. And it's on State Line Road. And, and here's a fun fact. I've got to go there many times and preach. It's incredible. Um, they're taking this old building that had how many movie theaters in it? Eight movie theaters, uh, skating ring, bowling, uh, how many lanes? I should ask you all these questions before. 36 bowling lanes that they have been renovating. It is absolutely spectacular. And, uh, but here's a fun fact. When I was a teenager, me and my buddies would go to that very movie theater, watch movies, and we might be guilty of putting some bubble gum under the seats that they had to clean up, everybody. And, uh, and I watched some good old spiritual movies there like Rambo and Rocky. Can I get a good amen out there, all right? And, uh, and <laughs> so anyway, it's just neat to know what they're doing, incredible ministry. So during COVID, well, let me give you a little bit more background. 
So the way we're structured as a church is I have overseers. So I have pastors in my life. Pastor Tommy's my pastor. But I also have overseers in my life that are pastors of churches around the country. And uh, we try to get them in at least once a year or 18 months just so that you know who they are. Uh, this year, I think our second service back in, on Friday night, we had Corey from Alabama here. And uh, not all of them have been able to make it this year. And I think it says a lot about somebody that in the middle of trying to navigate their church through these crazy times and in the middle of trying to travel with COVID to say, I believe in you, Ken, and I believe in your church enough to get on an airplane and come and be here. And uh, amen. And um, so I just want you to know this right before he comes. During COVID, Pastor Craig is one of if not the primary overseer that I have called when I am flat out ticked off. I know you don't ever think I'm ticked off, but when I need to vent about you, you people you know, <laughs> when I need to vent and maybe complain and be a little ornery and be a little frustrated, people ask me all the time, well, who do you go to? This poor guy is the guy. He is the guy, and I've gone to him. He's just given me great insight, great wisdom. I've, some of the things they're doing, we've patterned, and uh, just so grateful. Isn't it great to know we're a part of something bigger than just ourselves, right? And uh, I'm just thrilled to have him. We hung out today. He made me laugh. He might make you laugh. He, he's a foreigner, uh, and um, you'll, you'll hear that in the microphone. I love you, buddy. I'm so glad you're here. Come on. Let's welcome Pastor Craig Window. What is up, Radius Church, huh? You're here. You've survived. You're like through a pandemic. Yeah, way to go. Woo. I mean, it's not over yet, but you know, hey, here we are. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, let me just say before I even get rolling, and you guys already know this. I'm going to tell you something that you already know, so it's one of those things. You're going to be like, I already knew that. Um, your pastor is one of the coolest cats I know, and I'm not even a cat person. He is, he, let me tell you my favorite thing about Pastor Ken, he's courageous, he's courageous, and if you're watching and you're like, no he's not, he's this, he's that, you try pastoring during a pandemic. <laughs> just, he is a courageous man of God that is never scared to look down the barrel of reality and make hardcore choices, and I love that, I appreciate that, and I actually like his phone calls because I get to complain back, you know. <laughs> Because you might not have realized this or not, but I am a pastor. Believe it or not, I am actually a pastor. And like all pastors, I've been thinking about this one thing that all pastors think about all the time. You were going to say money. I, I felt that, but that's not. That's not what it is. I've actually been thinking about the church. Now, see, when the pandemic, okay, I'm just going to, tonight's just kind of real. Can we just, I'm just going to be, whether I can be or not, I'm just going to be real because I don't live here. All right, so, um. <laughs> During the pandemic started, and honestly, when it first started, okay, we're just being honest, right? When it first started, and where I am in Mississippi, um, the, the governor, I was on an airplane coming back from Florida, actually, and I got one of my staff members texted me and was like, the governor just shut down the state, you know, we got to close church tomorrow. I was flying back for church, and I'm like, Dah. and I get back, and the first couple Sundays of no church, like meeting, okay, don't tell anybody. It was awesome. It was like a day off. I'm sitting there and I'm chilling. I'm drinking coffee and I'm like, ha, ha, 
all you other pastors suckers having to preach, right? Because pastors need to, look, oh, you be judging me already. Come on, take a deep breath. Pastors need days off too, right? And so it was like, like when you were a kid and you got a snow day. Remember those? And it was just like, oh, something new, something different. And then that snow day snowballed into the hell that we are all living in, right? I mean, let, let's be honest. It's just evolved into this thing. And by the way, if me saying hell offended you, we're early in the, in the, in the talk. So hang on. Um, but it snowballed into this thing that we're in. And then in my church, okay, um, again, just being real because I don't live here, um, we had two groups of people. And have you noticed when people form posses, there's very few people in the middle, right? So we had the extremes. And I'm just talking about South Point. I hope they're not watching. Hey, uh, uh, had those two posses where the one posse was like when we canceled church, you know, we stopped gathering. They were like, Pastor Craig, that is horrible. You should never cancel. Why are you living in fear? Walk in faith in the name of Jesus Christ. I can't follow you if you're not going to be a courageous man of God and gather in the middle of a pandemic. Okay? And then over here, I had the other people, and they were like, yes, this is the wisest thing you have ever done. We must hide in our closets with masks and shields. We must never come out ever again. I heard that it's even passed through eye contact, so we're no longer looking at each other either, right? And, and okay, I'm not throwing stones at either one. Okay, I'm really not, because my job as a pastor is to stand in the middle and offer spiritual guidance to both. I, I'm not on either side. I think our job as pastors is to live in... It's not a fun place, but we live in the tension of the middle. That's, that's just where we live. And so that's cool, but come on, we still living in that tension. You know what, I, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so in that tension, here's, here's where I'm going. In that tension, I really, the Lord really just spoke to me about the power of the local church. And sure, it was fun missing a, few, a couple Sundays. I mean, you know, it, it was, just to be honest. But then all of a sudden, it was just like, well, then why, I, start, I went down that rabbit trail that pastors sometimes go on. Well, then why do we even have church? And, oh, we do have church. And what's the point of church? And all of this stuff. And I started thinking about just the power of the local church. And there's, whether you realize it or not, whether you've been in the church world for five minutes or five years, I want to tell you today that there's power in the local church. And the local church is a big deal. The local church is a big freaking deal. And when something, when something is that big of a deal, um, the most rocks are thrown at the biggest deal. Right? I mean, anytime, anytime something rises to the surface as the best thing or the greatest thing, come on, everybody, everybody picks up stones to come. And what are our stones? Come on, we complain. Like, come on, we, right? Remember the two camps at my church? Both were complaining. Come on, I'm talking about my church, not even you. You're, you're off the hook. Um, the complaining. And nobody ever complains about Jesus. Nobody complains about God. Nobody complains about the Holy Spirit. But we're all really good at complaining about the church. We just complain. And, and church and complaints actually go hand in hand. Um, Pre-COVID, remember those days, pre-COVID, if, if the church was small, people would complain that there wasn't anybody there my age and there was nothing happening. But then if the church grew really large, then people would complain that there's not a parking spot close enough to the church or it takes too long to check my kids in. Whatever, like a church can't win. And I think that's because the church is so important 
and the enemy knows that. But, but here, here's, here, get this, um, you got to be careful complaining about something that's precious to God. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. And let me just tell you something. Let me just tell you, sorry, let me tell you something. If you're going to complain about my bride, it's going to affect our relationship. See, I love my bride very much. We've been married for 28 years. What, what? Adopted two kids, made two the old-fashioned way. You know what I'm talking about. And if you're going to complain about my bride... It's just it's going to affect our relationship, right? I mean, all of a sudden, there's a little tension there because now there's that. Or, okay, if you don't have a bride, how about this? Have you ever corrected somebody else's kids? How'd that work out for you, right? I mean, it's like, oh, you don't want to hang out with my kids. Well, then I don't want to hang out with you. It just puts, it puts a tension there that shouldn't be there, but because we didn't know what we were saying or doing or the importance of what we were complaining about, it impacted the relationship that we were in. Look at this. Philippians 2.14 says this. Do all things, come on somebody, without complaining and disputing. Let's do all things. Yes. That's a, let's be honest. How many hate that scripture? I do. Come on. You hate it? Like if you could pull any scripture out of the Bible, I'd pick that one. But it's in there. Do all things without complaining. Now, tonight I want to just talk with you for a little bit about four things that I've, I have personally learned about the church, the, I'm talking about the local church during COVID. This is just stuff that the, the Holy Spirit's laid on my heart um, that I've even applied and, and taught at our church just because, honestly, I think I missed it and it took a pandemic for me to realize it. And I never want to waste a pandemic. How about you? How about we all get out on the other side a little bit better than when we came in? So, so are you ready to learn something? You're going to lean in a little bit tonight. You're going to get something out of this. I want us all to leave here better than when we came in. So here you go. If you're online, there's notes, I'm sure. All right, here's the first thing. You can fill in the blank. Church is not just about you. It's about Jesus. Uh, let me say that again. Can I read that again? Uh, church is not just about you. It's about Jesus. Now, notice that I said it's not just about you, because it is about you. I mean, church is where we come. Local church is where we come to worship. Um, it's where we come to hear a good word, where we get inspired, where we experience life change. It's where we come to get prayed for. Um, it's where we come to have relationships and have connections. I mean, so, so church, church is about us, but it's not just about us. It's about Jesus, and if we, always, if we think it's always about us, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to put our preference to the front of the line. We're going to put our, my mom, my mom is 85 years old. Go ahead and type that in the chat box, 85, holy cow, 85. She's 85, and uh, my mom has been at the same church for over 60 years. She has genuinely outlived so many pastors, right? It's awesome. She's awesome. My mom's fabulous. She's great. And I, she still goes to the same church, okay? Different pastor, same church. And uh, we talk about once a week because I have to make sure she's still kicking. You know what I'm saying? She, 85. And a few weeks ago, I, I called her. And I was like, hey, how was church today? Because that's what we talk about. We're church people. I said, how was church today? And she said, well, I think the pastor finally learned something. I said, oh, ho, 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 do tell. And in my mind, I'm like, this is a sermon illustration. I know it is. She said, well, we have this young kid that leads worship. Time. Um, my mom is how old? 
85. When you're 85, how many people are young kids? Everybody. Everybody. So, and I know their worship leader, he's 35, not a young kid. But anyway, she said, this young kid, he's leading worship, and he's doing these songs that I don't even know where he found them or got them. I've never heard any of them in my entire life, and they're just long, and they've got all these words, and I just don't feel anything. The Lord's not there. But then this Sunday, this Sunday, the pastor he got up and he got on the piano after worship because I guess he just understood that the presence of God was not there. <laughs> so he got up and got on the piano and, and he started playing some old songs that I knew, that I remembered. And the presence of God blew in that place and everything changed. And I said, really? She said, yeah, it changed. I said, really? The presence of God came in, but he wasn't there before. She said, that's correct, Craig. <laughs> and I said, Mom, I think you've fallen prey to what a lot of people fall prey to, and they, they mistake their preference for his presence. And, and there's a big, a big difference because just your presence. And what happens in the American church a lot of times is we end up worshiping and seeking something that's our preference rather than the presence of God. Because whether you feel him or not, guess what? He's here right now. Whether you feel him or not on your couch, he's there right now because that's my God. He's that big. He's that amazing. And so my mom, that kind of ended the phone call. My mom, she just kind of hung up on me. That's what my mom does. You know. But we mistake preference for his presence. Now, you might ask, hopefully, hopefully you're going to say, how do you tell the difference? Because every single one of us right now have our opinions and our preference, and there's room there's room in church for your differing opinions and your differing preferences, okay? There, there really is. But how do you know if you're allowing your preference to override his presence? How many want to know? You want to know? You want to know? Go ahead, click in the box, say, I want to know! Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. It's in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul is writing this into the church at Ephesus. And this verse, before I read it, you got to understand something. I'm going to read this and you're going to go, oh, I heard that at a wedding. We use this verse all the time in weddings, and it's totally fine. I don't think you're taking it out of context, but you need to understand the original purpose of it. The original purpose of it, the Apostle Paul is saying, okay, you understand marriage, right? I mean, you, you're humans. You understand the passion that's there. You understand the love that's there. You understand the commitments that are there. You understand the fighting that's there. Come on, somebody. Right? You understand all of that. So since you understand that, let me apply your marriage understanding to the knowledge of being in a church, okay? So, so uh, that's the, what he's saying. So we're going to jump in, in the middle of this. Ephesians 5.21, it says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as, okay, now this is where we get into it, as the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ as we submit to Christ. You can have your own personal opinions and your own preferences, and that's fine. That's also why we have so many different churches in our country, and that's fine. I tell my people all the time, if you don't like this church, I'm not changing. Go find another one. <laughs> They've quoted me on this. I say this a lot. I'm like, hey, the front of our church is covered in doors. Pick one. 
I, I don't want to hold on to people. This is the church that God has called me to do, and so this is what we're doing. And if you want to party with us, then come on, baby. The water's fine, but if you don't, that's cool too. You, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a place for different opinions and preferences. But, but, I like big butts and I can't know. But, but, but if it comes up against something that Christ is not for, we need to submit our preference. Okay? And so Jesus, there's a great example of this in the, in the New Testament where Jesus is at this party. This is, this is one of my favorite Bible stories. Jesus is at this party. He's chilling, like, the, you know, hanging out, whatever, with the dudes. And there's some church people, church people. There's some church people over there, and they start comparing and talking about their preferences and their opinions. And they, you can go back and read the whole story. I'm only going to pull a piece out of it. But they start complaining uh, their opinions and their preferences, and it butts up against the ideas of Christ. And Jesus, he can't take it no more. <laughs> Check this out. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Jesus, overhearing their opinions and their ideas, shot back. I love that. Jesus, he the man. You know what I'm saying? He's like, bro. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Come at me, bro. What's up? Go figure out what this scripture means, honey. I'm after. Okay, now if you're taking notes, right there. Circle, underline the word after. That Greek word is thelo. It's T-H-E-L-O is the transliteration. Thelo is a powerful, powerful Greek word. It means, it's, it's like this, I'm after. What's he at? He's after mercy, not really. I'll, I'm going to read the rest of it in a minute, but he's after something. What does it mean to just say, I'm after something? It means, here's the definition of that Greek word. It means he desires and wants something and has the power and authority to get it. Okay? So it's not just, I, wa I want that. Uh -uh. I want it, I desire it, and I have the power and authority to get it. So it's kind of like you wake up, at, you get up at night, like you finish eating dinner, you get up at 9 o'clock at night, and you want some ice cream. You stroll in there to the fridge, the freezer. You open it up, and there ain't no ice cream in the fridge. And you look over, and there's your wife at the kitchen table, pandemic eating. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you'd be like, girl, what up? And she's like, it's all gone. Sorry. Okay? But you're, you're Thalo. You're Thalo. You want some ice cream. You're Thalo. So you, have, you want it, right? You desire it. You have car keys. You have money. And you know the way of the store. So you have the power and the authority to go get what you want and desire. It's Thalo. So Jesus, okay, okay, okay. Y'all tracking with me? Okay, so Jesus, my boy be thalo -ing. And he says, listen, y'all have your own opinions. Y'all have your own ideas. Let me tell you what y'all want. Let me tell you what I want. And let me tell you what I want, what I desire, and I, what I will do anything, including giving my life for, to get. He says this. He says, I'm after, I'm Thalo. Mercy, not your religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. See, Jesus wants, Jesus wants with everything that is with him, he thalos the outsiders, the one that's hurt, broken, that has nobody to speak up for him, the one that is the furthest from everybody's mind. He's the one that wants them. And get this, get this, what? Get this. If once you have Jesus Christ living in you, that thalo that is in Christ should be now in you. And there should be a thalo in you for the one that is the farthest, the most broken, the most hurt, the most down and destitute, the one that nobody else looks at or desires. 
There should be something in you that says, not only do I want that, Christ has given me the authority and the power to go get that. But here's what happens. Come on, let's be honest. Here's what happens. And this is what I saw in my church at the beginning of the pandemic. For some reason, once we're in church for a little while, we get in this mindset where we're good. We're, we're good. And we don't even realize it, but we become an insider with our opinions and desires and preferences. And all of a sudden, now we're wanting to be coddled by the pastor and the staff and everything else that is going on. And, and no, he didn't pay me to say any of this. I'm just, I told you. In all seriousness, this is just what I've seen in my own church, okay? And I'm just bringing you something so fresh, it might hurt you before the night's over, but hopefully there'll be healing at the end, okay? But for some reason, we get in church world for a while, and all of a sudden, we switch, and we forget that we used to be the broken one. We forget that we used to be that one. And so then when one of those people come in to our gathering, we bring to them religion, showing them and measuring how far they are from where they need to be. And Jesus said, I don't thalo religion. I thalo mercy. It's a big difference. Big difference. Big difference. We're supposed to apply mercy, not religion, right? And that's the church. That's what the church does. I love the church. I love the church. You ready for the second one? Come on, that was just the first one. There's four total. We're going to be here all night. Woo! I won't. I'm leaving in a little bit. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the second one. The church is not divided. The, the church is not divided. I, the enemy knows, and this is even in the Bible. I'll show you scripture in a minute. Anything divided cannot stand. Uh, anything that's divided against itself will never stand. And the enemy knows that, okay? And if you don't think we have a real enemy, let me just let you in on a little secret. We have a real enemy, and he hates you. Why does he hate you? Because you're the apple of God's eye. You're his favorite thing ever. And he can't hurt God, but he knows he can hurt God by hurting you. And so if he can hurt you, then he'll hurt God. So that's his heart. So his whole desire is to hurt you. But also, he understands that the power of the local church can tear down anything that the enemy stands up. So if he can divide the church, then the church doesn't have the power that it should have. Y'all track with me? I'm just going to tell you right now, this one's tough. Okay, so take a deep breath. Here's the scripture. Matthew 12, this is Jesus talking. He says, any kingdom. And by the way, when Jesus says any kingdom, that also includes the kingdom of God. Just, just think about that for a second. Any kingdom that fights against itself will end up in ruins. And any family or community splintered by strife will fall apart. Now I'm getting ready to show you something. And it's, I don't care who you are or where you are. This is going to mess with you a little bit, all right? So I'm going to make you make a promise like we do in Mississippi. Raise your right hand, even sitting on your couch. Everybody in the room, raise your right hand. This is how we would say it in, in Mississippi, and I need you to repeat after me. I promise. I, promise. I need a better southern accent, okay? So I promise, I promise. to not get my panties in a twist <laughs> when preacher man puts this stuff on the screen. All right, here we go. 
I'm not going to preach these four things. I just want to show you something. I want to show you how politics in this country is not dividing our country. It's dividing the church because the church is still the most powerful thing on the planet. And if the church can be divided, then what country would ever stand? Process this. We are the only dual passport people. We have a passport in the kingdom of God and we have a passport in the United States. Okay? Which is higher. Hopefully you're going to say the kingdom of God is higher. Okay? So what do we fight for more than anything else? We fight for the kingdom of God. We're blessed to live in a wonderful country. We're blessed to live in, come on, nod, we, we are blessed to live in a wonderful country. I always say, if you don't like it, there's like hundreds of other countries, right? It's just like the church. But we have a great country. But don't allow, please, 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 don't allow the stuff that's going on to divide the church of Jesus Christ. Don't do it. Yeah, you're clapping now. Remember, you made a promise. Okay. Here's four ways that the political world right now in our country is dividing the church. These are four things. This is four things that the church of Jesus Christ is very clear about. I don't have time to go into all the scriptures, nor am I going to. You can, read your, you can open your own Bible and find this stuff easy, easy, easy. There's hundreds of them. But I'm just going to show you these four things that the church of Jesus Christ, a kingdom-minded church, a good news gospel-centered church, is about all the time, and there's scriptures for every one of them, okay? So, this is what a church should be all about. Here's the first one. The church is always clear about four things. We're deeply concerned about the poor. Second one, racial equality. Pro-life. Sex should be between a husband and a wife. Now, just, I'm not even asking if you agree with these, nor am I going to preach them or anything like that. I just want you to look at these, okay? These are four things that if we had time, I'd show you tons of scriptures for each one of them, okay? Now, watch this. The top two are major planks in the Democratic platform. The bottom two are major planks in the Republican platform. I'm not saying vote for one or the other. I'm just saying I want you to see what the enemy is doing to the church. It doesn't matter who, hear me, I'm not saying it matters who you vote for. I am saying it matters who you love. You know you've made God in your own image when all of a sudden God starts hating the same people you hate. See, we draw lines. That's what they want to do. Political parties and the world and not just political stuff, but in the world, we want to draw lines. The church is not about drawing lines. The church is about erasing lines and opening our arms and giving mercy to everybody. That's what we do. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that's cool, man. I'll pray for you, and I hope that one day you will be, because that's what we do, right? But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, please hear me. I'm not even talking about who you vote for. I'm really not. I'm just saying, in the church, there's room for differing opinions. There's room for differing thoughts. We have to love each other. If we don't love each other, what are we showing the world? And don't let the enemy divide the church. Don't, don't. Just, just don't do it. Okay. If your panties got in a twist, the bathrooms are down the hall to the right. All right. So, you still with me? Okay. You ready for another one? Here. Are we having fun? Are you glad you tuned in? I don't know. We'll see. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. Um, we need to be planted 
that takes tenacity. We need to be planted, that takes tenacity. Now, we need to be planted in the church is what I'm talking about, and that does take tenacity. Nowadays, I'm sure you guys have noticed this, nowadays, being planted in a church doesn't have very much value. It's, in fact, even attending church doesn't have much value anymore. Um, where we are, we went from, we've been going for 14 years as a church, we'll be 15 years in January. At the beginning of the church, you could see people come almost every week, you know, you, same people. And then after about five, eight years, it was now people were going every other week. It was like this rotating, it was this congregation, and then another congregation, and then another. And that was just, again, I'm just telling you where I pastor, okay? And then it got to, and now is, hopefully once a month. It's just kind of all of it. And you talk to the people, where have you been? Oh, man, I love Jesus. Oh, pastor, you're awesome. I love church. Woo! Where have you been? Oh, well, you know, I've been here and here, and I've been doing this and, and all. Okay, okay. So it's just because we, right now, I think you guys can realize this, we all live in a post-Christian culture. Whether we like it or not, I don't like it. We used to be, Christianity used to be in the United States, the center ring of the circus. Okay? We're now in the stands. We're, we're in the stands. And I'm not even... We can't change that overnight, but here, here's what I know. Something that made, has made it worse. <laughs> okay, um, let me finish this entire thought before you throw stones at the very beginning. Okay. Um, one thing that's made it worse is our online viewing. Okay, again, don't throw stones, don't throw stones. But we're able to scratch our spiritual itch through an on-demand spiritual voyeurism where we feel like just tuning in can fix something in us spiritually and missing the whole point that we serve an experiential God and he wants us to experience him. Y'all still with me? Now, even at our church, I'm saying that. I'm very thankful for technology. I really am. I mean, we've invested over the last few months tens of thousands of dollars in our online stuff, so I'm not saying don't don't do it. You're just a sinner for even watching. You're going to burn in hell. Not saying that. Not saying that. Um, But what I'm saying is, we serve an experiential God. And there's something about coming and experiencing God. It's like, how many baseball fans are in the house? Anybody? If you like baseball online, click, type in baseball, baseball. One person. We got one person in-house, by the way. And me. Okay, baseball watching on TV is pretty boring. I'm just going to be honest. I, and I'm a baseball fan. Baseball on TV, if I stay awake through a whole game, <laughs> when it's all over with, I know the score of the game. Okay, but when you go to the stands and watch a baseball, oh, come on, the smells of the hot dogs and the spilt beer, <laughs> right, and, and the, the sounds and all the stuff that goes with it, and it's, a, it's an experience, right? When you don't ever forget, especially online, don't ever forget, I'm very thankful for the technology, I love it, I've invested in it, I believe in it, but let me say this. Don't ever forget that Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So if Janessa, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go out on a limb. Janessa, I'm going to assume that you have Jesus Christ living in you. Yes! All right? Okay, 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 okay. So I have Jesus living in me, okay? So two people, watch this. This doesn't come through on-demand voyeurism. This comes through when two people 
are gathered together and Jesus is in you and Jesus is in me, guess what? We come together and talk. I sense what's going on in you and you sense what's going on in me and that is the Holy Spirit. And in between us is the presence of God. We need each other. We have to have each other. So don't, don't allow... Don't allow the idea of just watching online that, that that fixes everything. It's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful, I, I hope you hear my heart. It's a beautiful gift and I'm thankful for it. But it's hard to grow and mature spiritually when you don't have each other. We ha- the, church, the church needs each other. We have to have each other. Psalm 92 says this. Um, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. You can underline that. They will grow like a cedar, you can underline that, cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. I'm going to read that real quick again, watch this. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, they will, come on, help me out people, y'all speak English here, don't you? You all hooked on phonics, you know how to read, all right, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. Isn't it interesting? Everybody wants to flourish nowadays, but nobody wants to be planted. Everybody's chasing this flourishing idea. I want to be successful. I want this. I want this. But the way to flourish and the way to have all of that is to be planted in the house of the Lord. And he says there's two ways to be planted in the house of the Lord. The first one is a palm tree, right? Planted like a palm tree. Okay, you got, y'all ain't got no palm trees around here. I looked. You ain't got none. Nary a one. But I used to work I used to live in Naples, Florida, which if you don't know where that is, it's all the way down at the very bottom of Florida. Like the next thing is Cuba, okay? That's, that's how far down it is, like legit. That's the, how far down it is. And there's palm trees everywhere. While we lived there, my wife and I, um, we lived through four, hur- four major hurricanes. One of them was a Category 4. That's honestly probably the most scared I've ever been in my life. The whole house shook, right? And trees were uprooted and all this stuff. And like with my own, I mean, the one hurricane, Hurricane Wilma, I think it was, pushed our minivan sideways it just slid it sideways all the way across the carport up against the uh, up against the house and that's how powerful it was trees put knocked over but what i've never seen in all those years of living in florida and four major hurricanes i've never seen one palm tree uprooted not one not one it, a palm tree and some of you guys know this a palm tree has a tap root so if the palm tree is 20 feet in the air the root goes straight down 20 feet and i've seen i've watched in hurricanes palm trees they'll be bent completely over from the storm right winds 140 miles an hour ripping every shed shred of life off of that tree right no leaves nothing it all be gone and the wind dies down and that tree just and all the life is stripped off of it and it might look like it's dead but guess what? Those leaves, they come back really quick. Because the important thing is, the tree is still rooted. And see, some of you might be, if you're planted in the house of the Lord, you can survive storm. You can be blown over and be ripped apart by powerful winds of divorce, powerful winds of bankruptcy, powerful winds of depression, powerful winds ripping off every part of the, your life that you feel like is life. And when the winds die down, guess what? When you are planted in the house of the Lord, you just come right back up. And the Lord provides. Uh, about a month into COVID, a family in our church, a teenager, uh, she, we were in lockdown, you know, like we all were. We were in lockdown, quarantine. It was really shut down where we were. And I won't go into all that, that story, but she couldn't handle it anyway. This teenager, she was 14, 15 years old, she ended up killing herself. 
And so it was very difficult. Like, if you think I'm making light, I'm not even remotely. It was, it was very tough. Walking through that fa- with the family through that, they're rooted in the church. They are planted in the church. And I watched them. I watched mom and dad. I walked with mom and dad. Still walking with mom and dad. As the winds of that trial blew them over and ripped off every sense of hope that they had, every sense of there's a tomorrow, gone, every sense of life and everything that they held precious ripped from their lives for no fault of their own. But watch this. As the winds died down, they just come right back. And they were at church this Sunday, mom and dad, holding hands, smiling. And I said, how are you guys doing? And dad looked up, he's just smiling. He said, we've been through some tough storms. I said, yes, you have. He said, we're flourishing. We're still planted in the house of the Lord. I don't know what storm you're going through, but can I tell you something? You might feel like every leaf of life is being ripped off of your body, your family, your relationships, but I'm telling you something, come on. If you really want to flourish, if you will plant yourself in the house of the Lord, there is nothing that can take you out of the game. Nothing. Nothing. But wait, there's more. The other tree is the cedar of Lebanon. These are, this is a little quicker, okay? A little quicker. Don't worry about it. Relax. Everybody take a deep breath. We're going to keep going through this here. All right? Cedar of Lebanon, um, that doesn't have a taproot. The cedars are like our redwood trees, which you folks do have. We ain't got none in Mississippi. But we have a thing called oak trees, all right? So oak trees, redwoods, and cedars of Lebanon, all pretty much the same root system, and they reach out. Here's a beautiful thing about the cedars of Lebanon. They have a fibrous root system, okay? So they're actually not that deep, but these trees can grow up to 130 feet tall. Super, super slow growth. It's not quick, and they don't fall over. Why? Because the roots, I love this, the roots go out, find other cedars of Lebanon, and they wrap their roots around one another, and they sustain each other through storms. So what, what is God saying? What is God saying? God's saying, listen, come on, the church is awesome. And if you will plant your butt in the church, you can survive every storm and you will find friends that you can wrap your roots around and never falter again because you are planted and you will flourish. You will flourish. All right, you ready for the fourth one? You guys don't even remember the first three, do you? You're like, how long has he been talking? Okay. Here's the fourth one. We need to see the church as he does. That takes grace. We need to see the church as Jesus does. Because remember, this is, this is his bride, right? This is the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And so we need to see the church as Jesus does, and that takes grace. It takes grace. Um, check out this verse. Ephesians 5, 26, Paul is talking that he, and the he is Jesus, okay, we're kind of jumping into the middle of a story, so you can go back and read it if you want to, but I'm going to explain some of these pronouns. That he, Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse her, and he's talking about the church, okay? And you can go back and read that if you want to, or you can just trust me. That he, Jesus, can sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having, <laughs> see, <laughs> I laugh because I'm going to tell you something that cracks me up, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that, sh- that she, the church, should be holy and without blemish. 
okay, when I, <laughs> when I was growing up in church, I grew up, I'm a church kid, okay? When I grew up in church, and I would hear preachers preach on this, Jesus Christ is coming back, but he's coming back for a spotless bride without wrinkle, without blemish. You got to get right or you're going to burn in hell. Right, okay, okay, I heard all that. And as a kid, I would think about that, and I'm like, man, if Jesus is coming back for a church, Without spot or wrinkle, without issues or problems, we're screwed. <laughs> and why would I say that? Because I've met church people. <laughs> See, some of the people that aren't laughing, you're like, he's talking about me. Right? <laughs> but I've met church people. And I'm not just church people. I've met myself. Yeah. And I've got issues. You've probably already figured that out, right? You're like, how many medications is he on, Ken? (laughs) I have issues myself, but I'm in good company because you do too. (laughs) Right? Woo! Got issues. Got issues. And we laugh and we say, well, that's not a big deal. But then when we talk to somebody that we're starting to wrap our roots around, and we realize they have issues, we're kind of like, mm. as soon as you can work that out, that spot, that wrinkle, that blemish, then the church will be better. But the way they work out that spot and blemish is not even by you wrapping your roots around theirs. They get their spot, blemish, and wrinkle taken care of the same way we get ours taken care of, and that's by the grace of yeah. Jesus Christ. It's his grace. And so we have to look at the church. I love the church. Like my passion in my heart is the church. And you say, well, you're a pastor. Yeah, but you're part of the church too. You're a part of the church too. And the church is my passion. And we have to start looking at the church and stop complaining and stop picking out all the negative things of the bride of Christ and realize that we're going to have that negative stuff the whole time we're on this planet. Suck it up, buttercup. We have to realize that the church needs the same grace that you needed. I don't know if you know who the theologian Dallas Willard is, but Dallas Willard said this. He said, born-again Christians burn up more grace than a sinner ever thought of. I love that because, right, a sinner, they don't know it, right? They don't know anything. And they just come like, I love Jesus, I need Jesus. Okay, you got grace for all that. And then we screw it up every day. Oh, I'm sorry, just me. All right, I'll talk to myself for a second. We have to realize that the church needs just as much grace as we all received individually. So I want to take a minute. I want to pray with you guys, okay? Those are are my my four church revos that I got at the beginning of the pandemic. I hope that they can apply to you and that you can grow in that. But I I want to say this. As I was praying about tonight, I really feel like there's some people specifically not just in this room, but watching online, where you are that palm tree that you're, you're, you're bent over, man. And one of the reasons you're at home right now is because you can't find any life left in you. You're tired. You're super tired. And you've heard other people say that, and you're like, but you don't understand how tired I am. I might not, but I know this. No matter how tired you are, and no matter how many leaves have been ripped off of you, 
Come on, don't allow the storms of life to dictate the trajectory of your spiritual journey. Don't, Don't allow that. Come on, be planted in the house of the Lord no matter what's been stolen from your life, no matter what's been taken from your life. Jesus Christ said that I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So whatever's been stolen from you will come back to you a hundredfold if you are planted in the house of the Lord. I want to pray with you. So either online or in-house, whatever you're struggling with, okay? For some of you, it might be a Category 4 hurricane. It might have just, I mean, you're just going through it right now, and you got a smile on your face. You're like, I'm good. And inside, you're like, I hate life, right? You're just struggling, and we're, we're, we're good at faking it in America, aren't we? We're just good at it. We're so good at it. And the deal is, we're all faking it. So what if somebody just got real for a second and just said, I need, I, I, I need Jesus in my life. I need help. I can't, I can't take another step. I'm worn out. I'm weary. And today, I come to Jesus Christ. So will you just take a minute? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Even if you're at home on the couch, and I know that this is an awkward moment if you're at home, but you just close your eyes for a second, kind of tune out whatever's going on around you. Heavenly Father, I love you. I love you so much. Lord, I thank you from the bottom of my soul for the power that you have placed in the local church. I'm so grateful that you've placed all of us in the church. We are part of your bride And yes, we have spots, and yes, we have wrinkles, we have more issues than we can even count, but I'm also so grateful for your grace and your mercy, those mercies that are new every single day. No matter how many times I mess up, no matter how many times I stumble or fall, your mercies are once again renewed in my life. And so, Father, every single one of us that's going through that storm, still praying right, right now, whatever that storm is in your life, whatever that thing is, I want you to bring it to the forefront of your mind, bring it, let it come to the top of your soul, and just hold on to it, look at it right there for a second. Father, what they're holding on to, what they're looking at, what they're seeing in their mind's eye, heal them, restore them. Let the winds of adversity, let those storms of life, God, calm them. Just as you did that day for the disciples on the boat where you stood up and said, peace, Be still, Father, tonight, right now, no matter what they're going through, I speak peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense to have this kind of peace in this kind of storm, but yet you've provided it. And so, Lord, we latch on to your peace. We pray for healing, restoration, and freedom. And, Father, we turn to you. We thank you that we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are planted in the church, and we will flourish even in the middle of a pandemic, even in the middle of a country in crisis, because we're not divided. We are one, and we follow you, and we worship you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, guys, thank you.